You're listening to the Believe in Islanders show with Matt Watney. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Islanders podcast. I'm Matt Watley, your host, and we are going streaking. That is right. The New York Islanders 4-0 in their last four games, 6-4 over the first 10 games of the season. And this team, well, they showed us something these last four games. The last three especially. We touched on the Rangers game last week. A dominant performance for the most part by Ilya Sorokin. The offense did what it needed to do. But these last three games since then, 6-2 taking on the the Hurricanes. 5-4 win against the Avalanche. And a 3-1 win taking on the Chicago Blackhawks. And that game, it didn't tell me the most about this team. But it did give me a really nice, a nice sight to see. And we'll get to that later. Of course, later on the show, we've got our top five, bottom five. We've got our puck headlines. We've got our games of the week. And of course, we've got our best bets. We're, we're at 500. We'll take three and three so far. No guests this week, if you couldn't tell by the title of the show. We'll try to get someone on here for the next week. But I figured since we're about you know, 12% into the season, this is not necessarily a major check mark over the course of the season. I would say the first biggest kind of poll to look at would be right after Thanksgiving, which is about 20 games into the season. But after 10 games, we've seen some stuff from this team that we'll get to after we get into and get past this last week of the season. We'll touch on Carolina first, a 6-2 win, as we mentioned, in Josh Bailey's 1,000th game. Of course, Josh Bailey, the guy that I think will be the next guy to get his number retired for the Islanders. Mr. 1,000, just a really dominant performance. And I didn't really expect it, right? You kind of never know what you're going to get with an Islanders-Rangers game. So winning that game, while the two points was nice, it didn't really show me a whole lot. But after the Devils loss in last week where we were boarding on panic, We're bordering on ecstatic because this team has been really, really impressive throughout the last week. And the Carolina game really just was the start of it all, right? This is a team in Carolina that you really struggle with. They've been two and five in their last seven games against Carolina. That's a very good team that controls the puck super well, right? That's a team that's top five in Corsi, top five in puck possession numbers, you know, typically very good at scoring and in the regular season, at least. And more importantly, they protect the house, and they protect their goaltender super well. That's a team that gave up the fewest goals in the NHL last year, and the Islanders put up a six spot on them. That is shocking to me. It really is. They they looked fast. They could skate with Carolina. They defended super well. They were outshot, I believe, by a couple shots. But when you look at that game, you, you kind of accept it because you're getting the quality. And quality over quantity only works when you're getting high danger chances. And over these last three or four games, the Islanders have done just that. They're getting the high danger chances. They're getting those rush chances. And that's what's been really exciting to see from this team. And over the last week, they're skating with other teams. They're scoring with other teams, right? Maybe they're not as fast as a team like Tampa Bay was at their heyday last couple seasons or Colorado. But it feels like they're taking more strides and they're more explosive than some other teams in the sense that they can catch up to the opposition. And Scott Mayfield did a good job of it, what was it, yesterday against Chicago. There was a chance for a mini breakaway or a one-on-o situation. And Mayfield took a couple strides and got a stick on the puck. And you've seen a lot of really strong neutral zone play. I think it was maybe Anthony Beauvillier or Brock Nelson in the neutral zone against Chicago, came back, broke up the play. Maybe it was Pajot for that matter. But I digress. 
And when you're able to have that extra gear and catch the other team, not only can you take more chances because you can catch up and make those mistakes, but you'll see guys create breakaways from their own defensive zone, right? The honors lead play, I think against Chicago, it might've been where he chipped the puck around the defender. You know, I think there was a complaint that it was a trip in that, in that sequence, a two on one the other way and you score a goal. Like that's a big time play that come playoff time. And we hope we get there after the Islanders. That's the kind of goal you score in the playoffs. If you can get that speed and that extra level that the other team can't quite catch up to. So that's been really awesome to see from this team. And we saw a lot of it against Carolina. You saw a lot of it against Colorado. And that's a big time win. That's a Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche that have really solid goaltending from Georgiev so far this season. Really good offense, as we've seen. A fast team. Probably a top five player, multiple in the forward position. And I would say one or two in the defensive position, too, between McCarr, Devon Taves, who else? Sam Gerrard's a nice piece. Like, they've got a lot of studs on that team, a lot of all-stars on that team. So for you to come back from a 3-0 deficit, that shows some stones. And Eric Hornick, the MSG statistician for the Islanders, had a really interesting stat. That 5-4 win in regulation was the first home regulation win overcoming a three-goal deficit since October 13th, 1984, when they beat Vancouver 6-5. That team was a Stanley Cup hopeful. At that point in in the career, or the, I guess the the franchise lifespan, right? Those early '80s. So for this Islanders team to have a stat like that, and yeah, it's kind of cherry picked, but the fact that they overcame a three goal deficit and won it in regulation. Look, regulation doesn't matter a whole lot against the Western Conference opponent, but that's a big time win for a team that frankly needed a big time win in that moment. To go two for two in that in those two games was really really impressive from this team. And for me, the biggest takeaway in Chicago, yeah, you should beat Chicago, but that's not a bad team to start the season. They, they've won some games. They've been pretty good. When you look at that game in Chicago, I think the biggest thing for me was the penalty kill. And yeah, you gave up a goal on the PK, but you took you had a five-minute major, a questionable one at that, I might add. And just a note here, Casey Sezik is fine for, just inter- for the interference, not suspended, which is kind of what you'll accept if you're an Islanders fan. I don't think it should have been a five-minute major. But the grittiness of that performance on Tuesday night was so impressive because you were down a forward. You had your forwards or your centers playing 20-plus minutes, all three of them. And they dug deep, and maybe it wasn't their best game. Maybe they didn't have the speed or the energy. But they kept Chicago outside of the danger zone. They kept them outside of the slot. And that's probably what won you that game. Beyond your penalty kill, it was also... Really just how you manage to dig deep and play defensively. Because when you watch the game, it looked like Chicago had the better of the chances, but they were outshot. Chicago was 33 to 22. So you were plus 11 in the shot totals on top of having a five minute major penalty, which you had to kill off. According to uh, Micah Blake McCurdy at ineffective math on Twitter, he had a really cool graphic that showed the expected goals for Chicago special teams. It was half a goal, 0.5. Now, you got one, obviously, because Jonathan Taves in front of the net tipped it up and over the goaltender, but 0.5 on eight shots, and it just wasn't really dangerous. Like, they control the puck a lot, but they've got high-end talent. Domi's a nice piece. uh, Kane and Taves are very nice pieces, and they've got some guys that can take shots from the back end. So for that team to not really get in the high slot 
and in the slot to generate some real offensive chances, those seam passes to Kane, that's impressive for the Islanders to defend that up. Now, the Islanders with fewer minutes on the man advantage had an extra two shots, and they also had a .9 expected goals, so they nearly doubled them in that department. And that's a pretty, that's a big mark when you consider how bad this Islanders power play has been, frankly. It's been very meh. But kudos to this penalty kill, 32 of 34 to start the year, third best in the NHL by tenths of a percentage point away from Boston. And it's just been keeping the puck out of the danger areas. And you've seen a lot of that in the Barry Trotz era where you were giving up some shots, but they were protecting the house, that slot area, the dots. This team still has that principle, but it feels like it doesn't really get to that point as much. And maybe it's because the Islanders are taking more chances and they're giving up more rush opportunities, which are granted higher danger. But then in turn, they're getting the puck out of their own zone at a much higher rate. And I'd love to see the stat on that. I'll probably have that guy for you guys next week. But they're really moving the puck nicely through the first 10 games of the season. So the fact that you grit out that win is is almost more impressive because you're not going to have it 82 nights out of the year. It certainly didn't have against the Devils. And I would say you had it for a decent chunk of Chicago. I liked their game overall. The the first period was really hard to kind of get into because you had that five-minute major and then Chicago took a penalty the other way. So you had basically the first 10 minutes of the game was trying to get through it and then reestablishing yourself and getting into it. Because Matt Barzell didn't see the ice after his first shift for six, seven minutes, you know, five minutes of game action during that penalty. So, so good on the Islanders just to gut that one out. All right, some stats for you guys through the first 10 games. This one courtesy again of Eric Hornick. The Islanders are 6-1 and one when scoring three or more goals and 0-3 when not. Well, as we said earlier in the, in the season or in, in, the, in the show, you're expecting to score at least three goals per game. Like, that's the number you want to have on average, three and a quarter, 3.2, 3.4, somewhere in that range. So if you can score three on average, you're going to win more often than not based on that number. Of the Islanders have also scored five goals in four of their first 10. They did that just 10 times all last season. Again, they're scoring goals. And we knew this year would be better than last. But it's, it's nice to see that they can actually put the puck in the net. They lead the NHL in goals for by defensemen with nine. You know, they're second in points by defensemen. And that, again, that extra layer of offense is probably what this team needs because they're not as inf- offensively inclined from their forwards as teams like the Lightning or the Rangers. They need that defense to get up and make a play because they don't have a 50-goal scorer on this roster. So for them to keep getting that through 10 games is important, even more important to get through the next 10 games when you're a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, Five-on-five numbers for the Islanders have been really impressive. They're top five in the NHL in goals four per game with 3.9 and expected goals per game with 3.35 at five-on-five. And when you're getting those kind of, you know, when you're top five in scoring at five on five and you're still getting top 10 defensive numbers because your goaltending is so good, because your team defense is doing a good job keeping things out when you're when you're not necessarily on the rush, but when you're in the zone, that's a recipe for success because you're seeing the defense hasn't taken a big step back. And when it has, frankly, you can afford to take those chances again because your goaltending is so damn good. And there's a lot of talk about looking to move on from Ilya, uh, from Varlamov, right? Should they move on from Semyon Varlamov at, during the offseason, shed his $4 million contract off your books, try to go out there, get a, a defenseman or a forward that can score for you? 
Well, I, I think the Islanders have kind of proven that they want Varlamov in net. And other teams around the league have proven it. Right? The Rangers, when Halak's in net, you're basically drawing it up as a loss. The fact the Islanders can go in and win any game they play because of their goaltending is not something that many, if any, teams could say for, for themselves. Right? Look at the Maple Leafs. Their goaltending has not been very good. Matt Murray kind of stinks. He hasn't played a lot this year at all, but he's not very good. So for the Islanders to have the goaltending that they have, to go in and, and have arguably, if not a comparable goaltender, every single game of an eight-two game season, I, I think Lou had, had the right call keeping Varlamov. I think he did. Especially when it comes to the playoffs and maybe you go out there and get a Patrick Kane type come the deadline when you have more cap flexibility. That might be the move to make. Some final thoughts here before we get into some puck headlines. The third period's been awesome for the Islanders. 19 goals for and 9 goals against. They're, always, they're scoring almost 2 goals per third period. Like, that's insane to think about. Now, giving up almost 1 goal per third period is not ideal. But good on the Islanders for, you know, really sticking it to other teams in the third period. Now, they've gotten a handful of empty net goals here and there. But... Still, to, to come out in the third period, to finish strong, something that this team notoriously hasn't done well, kudos to the Islanders. And, and one last thing, too, before we kind of get to the, the national headlines for a little bit. You know, I don't go through the, the stats all that much, right? The stat page and just goals, assists, et cetera, of individual players. But they've got three guys that are point-per-game players. And it's early. And it's only 10 games. And there will be peaks and valleys in this season. But Brock Nelson's got 11 points in 10 games. And Matt Barzell has 10 assists in 10 games. He can't buy a goal for some reason, but hey, look, we'll take 10 assists from him. And finally, honors leave five goals, five assists over the course of these 10 games. Like that is significant production from guys all throughout your lineup. All throughout your lineup, you're getting legitimate scoring opportunities and chances, and you're not just a one-line team at this point, which is really, really important for a team that frankly doesn't have that one superstar, right? We spoke to... Alan Hahn about it a couple weeks ago. They don't have the, the sheer talent to have one guy carry it. But when you look at the lines that this team has kind of created and set up, you've got that second line with Lee and Nelson have already put up combined nine goals. That top line with Josh Bailey, Matt Barzell, and Oliver Wallstrom, say what we want about Josh Bailey, he kind of brings a nice veteran presence that line. And he's only got three points in nine games. But if he can be the defensive sort of guy on that line, and muck it up in the corners and try to get the puck free for Oliver Wallstrom and Matt Barzell to do their thing, create space for those guys, that's fantastic. And also give credit, of course, to Oliver Wallstrom, who's got four goals in nine games. If he can be a 35-goal scorer this season, and he's on pace for over 40, I believe, that's awesome. That's really, really good for a team that, again, needs someone to step up. And so far, it's been Nelson, Lee, and Wallstrom. And hopefully they can t continue that. I don't know if Lee has it in him at his age. The wear and tear as the season progresses, the way he plays. I would hope Brock Nelson can keep it up and Wallstrom might hit a lull. But if he can finish the season with 30, 35, maybe 40 goals this year, you'd be overjoyed. And I think you'd be a lock to make the playoffs at that point. All right, let's get into the puck headlines quickly before we not take a break, but continue the rest of our show. Of course, we've got top five and bottom five coming up here on the Believe in the Islanders podcast. The week ahead, some interesting games. We've got four games now. They haven't played a whole lot, the Islanders. It's been like two, three games a week. Now you've got four coming up with a back-to-back. -back. We'll touch on that, but first, puck headlines. And we'll start off across the Metro 
The Devils, Andre Palat, will be out indefinitely after groin surgery. He's played just six games into the season, three goals. That's a team that's been really fun to watch. That's an exciting, fast team that took it to the Islanders, and Andre Palat has been a big part of that. You know, I didn't think I necessarily wanted him if I was an Islanders fan this offseason. But the Devils, with the money they had, they certainly could use him, and he's been shown up in full force for that team. But, of course, he'll be out, and they've got a lot of talent there. Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, the list goes on and on. Jesper Bratt is a superstar, it seems like, or a budding star. So the Devils, they'll figure things out. They'll continue on without him. And hopefully, if you're a Devils fan, you're, you're looking to get him back before the playoffs if you make it that far, maybe you know a couple months down the line. But Andre Palat out indefinitely after groin surgery. Another line that uh, Islanders fans kind of love to see the Toronto Maple Leafs falling, I guess. It, it seems like they're in a free-for-all. And you look at their schedule and their and their record, and they're 4-4-2 four, four, and two through 10 games played. They're playing as we speak. And just to give you an update on their game, obviously it's heading into a close. But they're up a goal, 3-2 over the Flyers with about 11 minutes left in this third period. I'm not going to say they're guaranteed to win it, but win or not, you're right around 500. And I don't think they should fire Sheldon Keefe, and neither does John Tortorella. He said ahead of this game on Wednesday night, quote, you guys don't know what he's done for that team, he said to the media. You chuck darts at him because you want some results. He's a terrific coach. I hope he jams it to you all, but not tonight. Obviously adding in they're playing the Flyers tonight, and the Flyers have been a nice story as well. But for the Maple Leafs, I agree with Tortorella. It's been 10 games. Can we relax? Like Matt Murray got hurt. You're still trying to figure out your goaltending situation, right? You, you kind of like what you've seen from the kid they brought in from Washington, whose name escapes me at the moment. But can we relax a little bit? Ilya Samsonov is that guy, and he's been really good for them, frankly. And, and I think I'll give him another 10 games. If they're struggling after 20 games and you want to fire the coach, go ahead. I think you need to bring in Barry Trotz at that point because he's only the handful of guys that are left out there that's a guaranteed you know, improvement over what you have right now. But you better be sure that you're right because if you're Kyle Dubas, your job's on the line too. And I don't know if he gets a chance to fire Sheldon Keefe and not make the playoffs and keep his job. But again, it's early, and I think the Leafs will figure it out, and they'll catch up to where they need to be. Austin Matthews only had like four goals in 10 games or something like that, which was really surprising heading into tonight's game. Last story on the dock, we had some trade news. The Vancouver Canucks acquired Ethan Bear and prospect Lane Peterson from the Hurricanes. They sent out a fifth rounder, and I love this move for the Canucks. They have questionable defense. I don't love what they have on their back end. The Canes just needed to get rid of a dude that wants to play NHL hockey. He hasn't played a single game all season long. And for a fifth-round pick, you're getting a guy that's making, after the Canes eat some salary, less than $2 million on the year. It's a one-year deal, so you can you know, wipe your hands away of him if you don't like him. And I really like this move on the Canucks, who are still in the bottom five. I'll... I guess the tease is you'll wait and see what where they are in the bottom five coming up in a few minutes. But I do really like the move for the Canucks who are looking to gain some traction defensively. All right, top five, bottom five time. Everybody's favorite. Number one, the Bruins. They just might be good. Like, I thought they were going to take a step back this season, but they're 9-1 and one in 10 games. They, they're averaging, they scored 45 goals this season. And they've given up 2.6 on average per day, per game. That's insane. Like, that is an insane team that maybe we'll see some regression. And I'm interested to see what their shooting percentage is as a team. So I'll pull that up here as we speak. 
But this is a team that, like, is scary good, and I don't know if they're slowing down. I really don't. The team shooting percentage is 12%. I don't think that's particularly high. So if they can keep that going, that's a scary team that I frankly would not want to face if I'm any team in the NHL. Number two, the Vegas Golden Knights on a five-game winning streak. Uh, and the Bruins are top five in shooting percentage at 12.3. There's about eight teams or so that have a 12, a shooting percentage of 12 or higher. So 12 to 12.9. But as we get into number two, the, Ve- the Vegas Golden Knights, five-game winning streak. Logan Thompson's holding up, and he might be a sneaky pick for Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. He's got the, he's got the talent, apparently. He's got the pieces in front of him. But that Eichel line is just dirty. It is unfair. Uh, number three, the Devils. We touched on them earlier. They've been getting really good goaltending, too, for a team that didn't expect it. Early on, it was shaky. The first two games, it was scary. But Mackenzie Blackwood seemed to figure it out. And if he can stay hot and he can be just an average goaltender, the way this team plays, limiting their opponents to less than, like, 25 shots a game, that's a team I wouldn't want to play in the playoffs because they are ferocious, they are tenacious, they are fast, they are physical, and they've got the skill to match any team in the NHL. With Jack Hughes and the likes, that's a fun team. Wrapping things up here, and we'll try to get through this in a timely manner. Edmonton Oilers, five-game winning streak. They're number four. McDavid might be the next guy to get 50-50. and 50. He's already got 10-10. and 10. I thought Aston Matthews would have been the guy. I think he will be that guy at some point. But for this season, Connor McDavid 10-10 and 10 is really – I hope it happens. I know only two players have done it in the history of the NHL. But if Connor McDavid can do it, that would be so exciting. That would be so fun. Other guys that I guess have a chance to do it this year, and I, I say that tongue-in-cheek, what if Eric Carlson gets it? He's got nine goals in 12 games. That'd be insane. Uh, but Conor McDavid now 11-10 is what it is after he scored a little while ago. I think Kirill Kaprizov could do it too. He's got 10, in, uh, 10 games played, eight goals. And they struggled early in the season, the Minnesota Wild. So that's another piece that might be able to do it eventually. And even David Pasternak. He's a guy that maybe not this year, but if he stays with the Bruins and Marchand gets on his line and they find him a center because Bergeron's probably retiring soon, that's another guy that might get 50 and 50. Uh, and the final team that'll be in our top five bottom in our top five of the top five bottom five, the Carolina Hurricanes. And I know they lost to the Islanders, but they're third in points percentage in the league, and they're just always so damn good in the regular season. So give me the Hurricanes in that mix as well. And to wrap things up with our bottom five, 28th, so fifth worst in the NHL, the St. Louis Blues. Longest losing streak in the NHL. They're three and five. That offense is bad. And it's been a weird start to their season. They were, I think they were playing, I believe they played. No, they did not. It was the Predators and the Sharks that played overseas. So St. Louis, for some reason, had like one game played or two games played when everyone else had five. And they're still trying to get their feet, you know, really under themselves to start this season. 19 goals in just eight games. They'll turn around. They'll be fine at some point. They're still one of those fringe kind of two, three, four, five type, you know, team in their division. They'll be fine. Uh, 29th, the Anaheim Ducks. Not a lot of goals from them. 2.6 per game is surprising. Goals against, you know, you, you, maybe John Gibson's washed at this point. He's been the last few seasons, but I did not expect them to give up nearly four and a half goals per game. That's a lot for a team that, at this point, it might be a lost cause. It's a winnable division. 
You know, that three seed right now sits sits with uh, Seattle. They're around 500. They're 5-4-2. Five, and two. But it, it, it doesn't look good for Anaheim, which is a real shame because Zegers in the postseason would be absolutely electric. And wrapping things up, Columbus Blue Jackets, they're not getting any better goaltending than they have right now. And they're getting, they're giving up 4.4 goals per game. They've given up 44 on the season. Uh, Johnny Hawk, you remember him? Supposed to be an Islander. Five goals this season, eight points total through 10 games, which is fine. But everyone else is like six points, six points, three points. So he might need a, another superstar. And they got Patrick uh, Line back, or, you know, the last couple games or so. Maybe he figures it out. But right now, Columbus is not very good. And I don't see how they get much better. And wrapping things up, the Canucks, two, six, and two. Their goaltending still stinks. They might be able to figure it out. If they get better goaltending from Thatcher Demko, I think they make the playoffs this year. It's a, a division that's easier to make the playoffs than, say, the East. Vancouver has some talent. If they can figure out the goaltending, I think they'll make the playoffs. And they've got to figure it out fast because time is ticking. But I think they can do it. And the last team, San Jose Sharks, 3-8-1. They stink. Eric Carlson, we talked about him before. He's got 15 points in 12 games. That's awesome. Good for him. He's figuring it out. He's been hurt the last little while, kind of on the back nine of his career. But... No, a team is not awesome. It's his San Jose Sharks, 32nd in our power rankings. Uh, let's take a quick look at the week ahead. They will face the aforementioned struggling St. Louis Blues on Thursday. They'll take on Detroit in Detroit on Friday, who've taken a step back since their hot start. Then Monday, Tuesday, they'll have another back-to-back home to Calgary and on the road at the Garden taking on the Rangers. Now look at these four games. We'll do it in this chunk. Can we get six points? I think that's the number I want. Now, would I love to go out there and, and win all four games? Absolutely. But when's the last time this team had an eight-game win streak? I don't know. Certainly wasn't last year. I can tell you that much for a fact. So if you can continue to tread water and be above 500, you'll see good things happen to this team. I really believe they're going to lose to one of either Detroit or St. Louis. It's very on brand for the Islanders to lose to a team that's on a five-game losing streak in St. Louis. It would also be very on brand for the Islanders to lose to Detroit, their own two last year in Detroit. Detroit's got some talent. They've got some goaltending issues to some extent, but they've got some talent too that you have to kind of keep an eye out for. And then when you look at the Calgary game Monday and Rangers game Tuesday, you got to give Arlama the start in Cal- or against Calgary. You know, you kind of saw last, last week, the Rangers, they had Shesterkin go taking on the Avalanche and then Halak in the divisional matchup, you want to win your division matchups because those are realistically four-point swings. So you want to have your best foot forward, even though it's the second half of back-to-back, taking on the Rangers in that game. I would I would take a split, I guess, in that home-and-home if you can give me the Detroit and St. Louis wins. I think that's where we'd go as, as an Islanders fan looking ahead. You're not going to win every game. You understand that. You'd like to see them play well, but if they can bank points now... We can figure out about good play later on down the line when it's playoff time. Uh, wrapping things up for the week, we've got our best bets. We're three and three through three weeks. We'll take it. And this week, we've got three games for you. I haven't picked a whole lot of you know, money line or puck line. It's been a lot of over and under. So I've got two games for you that I like. The winners, I like Vancouver. Or Vancouver, geez. I like Vegas on Thursday. Minus one and a half, taking on Ottawa on the road. They're plus 172. You're giving me one of the best teams in the NHL at plus money. Now, look, I'm giving up the, the extra goal, so we better hope for 
a blowout or an empty net late for Vegas. But I absolutely love Vegas taking on Ottawa, who's been struggling a little bit. The other pick I like is the Hurricanes money line on Thursday in Tampa Bay. It's the first night of a back-to-back for Carolina, so maybe they're not, you know, they're saving some energy because they've obviously got Buffalo on Friday. But it's the first night. You're at plus 110. I love that value. And if we hit one of these two, we win money. We're up because we're getting plus money on that one. So I, I think both can do it. Tampa's been struggling a little bit. They're still trying to figure out their way without Palat and some other pieces they've had, without McDonough, who's out there in Nashville. But I really like both Vegas and Carolina. Carolina money line, Vegas puck line tomorrow, or Thursday, if you're listening to this on Thursday, obviously. And the final game that I love on Thursday is the Devils-Edmonton over 6.5. It's not great value. You're getting minus 128. But these are two teams that score. They're dynamic. Their goaltending has been a question mark this season. It will be a a question mark all season long for these teams. And I love both sides to just light the lamp over and over and over and over again. And as we wrap things up here with our games of the week, I got three for you. And the first two are kind of cheating because the Devils and Calgary play each other both on Saturday and Tuesday. And that's that's a good test for this Devils team, a local team. That is fun. They've got some talent. They've got some speed and flash. Haven't really played against a team that locks it down like the Flames do. Right? They've got good goaltending. They're physical. They're heavy. That's a tough challenge for a team that wants to know, can we beat playoff teams? Can we make the playoffs? Well, this is a big test for the Devils. And the other game that I really like on Tuesday as well, Tampa Bay and Edmonton. On TNT, there's just count. If you look at the top 10 stars in the NHL, I would argue that six of them are in this game, right? McDavid and Dreisaitl, Vasilevsky, Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, uh, who else? Victor Hedman, even. I mean, those are six superstars in this league, and that is an awesome matchup to watch on TNT on Tuesday night. Well, that'll just about wrap things up for us here on the Believe in the Islanders podcast. Catch us next week, same place, for more on the New York Islanders. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.